and I just want to say good morning to you all, and hopefully you did all right with turning your clocks ahead. Those of you who are here, I guess that's success. Look around you. Those who are not, you might want to call them. <laughs> Remind them, did you forget? But I also, too, just want to welcome you here. To a, it's a community where God's love changes lives. That's what we're about. That's what we want to have happen. Because this is a place where people are committed to following Jesus no matter what. And I trust you're on board with that. Trust you're on board with following Jesus no matter what, no matter what it takes. So whatever you've gone through, whatever you're, you're facing, you will be facing this week, trust that this time together will encourage you. It will also challenge you as we look at God's Word. Also, too, will give you an opportunity to respond in obedience to what God has for you this day, today, what it is this time that God has for you. But uh, I wonder, have you ever asked that question, why? Probably, you probably have in a lot of different circumstances. When situations come your way, that question just kind of rolls off your tongue. Why? Why? And the, that question, why, can, can be such a powerful question, and it comes in different forms. Sometimes the why question reflects an honest, innocent pursuit of discovery. Consider uh, the time when maybe your kids were in that discovery mode of childhood, and they would ask those why questions. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? Uh, why, why does grandpa snore so much? You know, all these different questions that you probably don't have any answers for. And you just look at your child and you go, I don't know. Or you say the, the, the normal answer, because, and that's all you do, <laughs> just, just because. But uh, they, had, they had these questions because life was giving them experiences that had no explanation to them. I came across some questions that actual, actual questions that kids have asked the why questions. One child asked, why do flies think gross stuff smells good and good stuff smells gross? <laughs> and apparently he had his own hypothesis. He thought maybe their lungs are upside down. Okay, <laughs> I can kind of get that, I guess. Another question a child asked, why don't fish have eyebrows? Yep, good question. I, I don't have an answer. Or why do I have two eyes if I only see one thing? Hmm, that's another good one, too. And then after a grandma explained to her grandchild that she's getting remarried to have someone to talk to and not feel lonely, the grandchild said, why don't you just get a parrot? <laughs> just get a parrot. It'll be fine. And then, of course, the, the all-elusive question, why do most grown-ups still act like little kids? I have no idea sometimes. <laughs> But the question why will always be asked as long as there are experiences in our lives that can't be explained. There, then there are the, the why questions that search for a reason that something is so. Uh, the, these why questions have been researched and written about, and I'm sure you, know, you could Google any why question and get some kind of answer to it. I came across a book I've had it in my library, and I thought, this, this is a fun book. It's called Ever Wonder Why by Douglas Smith. I got it with a collection of other books, and I thought, will I ever use this at all? And I found out that I could. Uh, in this book, uh, answers almost 300 questions of, of uh, 
of the emphasis on being on why something is the way it is. You know, why is there, and Josh, you might want to think about this one, why is there a best man in a wedding? Hey, he's got an answer in that book. Uh, why, uh, why do dimes and quarters and half dollars have notched edges while pennies and nickels don't? You ever wonder that? The answer's in the book, I guess. Uh, why is the color blue used for boys? Why do chefs wear tall hats? Why do all these things? And so maybe you've Googled this before and you go, I, I've heard these questions, I, I know these answers. You ever wonder why the letter LB, letters LB is used to represent pound? You always see that at the end of that. I, I didn't know the answer until I looked it up in this book. And uh, like much of our language, the book says this comes from the Latin. It is a contraction of the word libra, the Latin word for pound. So that's what LB is. So there you go. If you learned anything today, you just tell somebody that's what it is, and that's what I learned in church. You ever wonder why revealing a secret is said to be letting the cat out of the bag? I've always wondered that. And apparently the book says, when the Muslims invaded southern Europe in the first part of the 8th century, they immediately passed a law forbidding the sale of pork. This was done because Muhammad, the founder of the Muslim religion, had declared pork to be unclean. This law, of course, didn't change the southern Europeans' love of pork, and there soon developed a black market for the meat. In secret transactions, usually conducted in the dead of night, farmers would sell to city dwellers suckling pigs concealed in large sacks or bags. And occasionally, a less than honest farmer would try to swindle a city buyer by selling a bag containing not a pig, but a cat. And if something went amiss and the bag came open during the transaction, this literally let the cat out of the bag. So that's why we uh, today reveal, revealing a secret is said to be letting the cat out of the bag. You ever wonder why? And it's coming up April 1st. Ever wonder why we play April Fool's jokes on people on April 1st? I've, I've wondered that. Uh, maybe you've wondered too and you looked it up and you already have the answer. But in the book here it says that until the middle of the 16th century, the European New Year began on March 25th, the day that marked the beginning of spring. To celebrate the new year, festivities involving much gift-giving and party-going were held for seven days and culminating on April 1st. And in around 1564, King Charles uh, IX of France changed the calendar, moving the beginning of the new year to January 1st. And many people who either didn't get the word or simply refused to honor the change continued to exchange gifts and hold parties on April 1st. And because of this, they were called April Fools and were mocked by others who sent them frivolous presents, invited them to non-existent parties, and played other pranks on them. And eventually, people just pretended to go through the rituals, and the day became just a day for pranks. So now you know. And that, that why question is answered for you. And then there are the why questions that come from our raw emotions. These are the questions that usually come out of seemingly meaningless, painful, tragic situations and experiences. Some of us have our own why questions like this. I know I do. I would figure that Annie does with the situation with Mark. I would figure that the Stowe's do with the situation of Maxon. We've been praying for this little guy. I would think that Donnie and Nicole, TJ's parents, 
TJ, who has a little heart issue has been going on. We've been praying for him. I'm sure they have their why questions in all of this. Amber, who's here today, I'm sure she also, too, has some pretty significant why questions going on in her mind and her heart as that car accident killed her mom and sent her grandma into the ICU. I'm sure, I'm sure Monica, Rose's mom, has some pretty serious why questions as she went through some significant loss as well, too, with the loss of her sister and loss of her best friend and loss of her fiancé. When those situations happen, we have some very significant why questions that come to our minds and our hearts. Now, I'm sure you could add to the list with your own why questions. It's in, the, in those moments that we ask this kind of why question. A French philosopher, Pierre Dehard de Chardin, he said, In the final analysis, the questions of why bad things happen to good people transmutes itself into some very different questions, no longer asking why something happened, but asking how we will respond, what we intend to do now that it happened. So in other words, our why becomes now what? It has happened, now what? And in order to move in that direction, I'm totally convinced that we need to believe and trust that Jesus meets the need in our whys. Jesus meets the need in our whys. Today, as we continue in this Easter series of the power of the cross, we're going to turn to a somewhat familiar and very tragic story that has a great ending found in John chapter 11. If you haven't turned there yet, please turn there. John chapter 11. And here we're going to see God's answers to our whys. His answers to our whys. What does that look like? How does he answer them? I'm going to read uh, these 44 verses. It's kind of long, but I want you to get the story and see. And then I'm going to come back and going to comment on this and uh, get a good idea of hopefully what God is, is teaching us here today. John chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her, her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, 
I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha, had, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. We'll stop there, verse 44. Death is not a subject that most of us handle well. It makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel awkward, and it also, too, is something that is just hard to face. And one reason for our discomfort is that despite all our advancements in technology, we have not been able to conquer it, conquer death. Death wins every time. At least that's how it seems on the, on the surface. God alone knows how many times the harshness of death has caused a human being to want to scream out, why? And I know some of you have been there and are there. 
The situation surrounding our text today confronts us with that very harshness. A dear friend of of Jesus is sick. Lazarus is his name. And his two sisters send for Jesus, whose response, I would say, is more than curious. Jesus, it says in verses 5 and 6, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And so the question comes, why? Why? And then later when Jesus arrives on the scene, he is faced with the harshness of the sister's confusion and anger. Lord, if you had been there, my brother would, have, would not have died. Both sisters speak the same words. But did you notice their posture? Their attitude seems quite different. Martha runs to Jesus to confront him, engaging, engaging him in, some, in a kind of debate. And a little later, Mary comes out of the house to find him. And what does she do? She falls at his feet, weeping. Martha wants something intellectual to steady herself. She wants to know that Jesus is in control. Everything's chaotic here. It's chaos. My brother's just died. No one's here to help. It's just mass hysteria. Can you tell me there's some kind of control? Someone is in control here. Tell me this. That's what Martha's asking of Jesus. Let me know that Jesus is in control and that he has a plan, and that's what he was there for, to let her know. Mary, she's in need of some, something emotional. She needs to know that Jesus cares. Is there anyone out there who cares what went on? And Jesus meets them both at their point of personal need. To Martha, he offers a statement of truth, and then he poses a question for her to ponder. Verses 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then to Mary, he offers the emotional response and the support that she needs. In verse 33, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Then comes the shortest verse in the Bible. One that's packed with incredible meaning and incredible compassion. Jesus wept. And then you'd ask, why? Why would he cry? We might ask that question. Surely he knew what was about to happen. He's God. Yet standing there before the sealed grave of, Jesus, of, of Lazarus, Jesus wept. He wept for Mary. He wept for Martha. He weeps for you. He weeps for me in those situations that seem unbearable. Jesus knew firsthand, as only a true human being could know, the harshness of death and the pain death brings. Why? That question, that question just hangs there. Why? Why did Jesus not come sooner? It's a good question, Martha. Good question, Mary. Why? Why did he not arrive in time to prevent this tragedy? You see throughout Scripture that he goes and he meets the needs of those who come to him, and all those people bring their sick and lame, and, they, and he heals them. Why not Lazarus, especially the one that he loved? He and his sisters, Mary and Martha, he loved them dearly. 
Why not be there to avoid this whole thing? Jesus does not always answer our whys. Have you noticed that? Sometimes, sometimes specifically we ask the question, and really we, we don't get a specific answer. But here he does answer this one. He answers this why. When he first learned of Lazarus' illness, and back in verse 4 he commented, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And then later in verse 15, he adds to this explanation, telling his disciples, For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. Is this why Jesus delayed the glory of God? How does that answer our wise? In times of crisis, it is important to consider the lens through which we view things. What, how are we viewing the situation? What lens are we viewing the situation with? Someone has said, God is never late. And I would say he's seldom early either. <laughs> but God's clock is set to a different time zone than ours. He's on an eternal time zone. We've just changed our clocks an hour ahead. He's on an eternal time zone where it's in his time frame that things happen. He, see, he sees things from the perspective of eternity. We see things from the perspective of the here and now. We only see this far because of this tragedy, because of this situation that has happened. We can't see beyond that. It is difficult, almost impossible to see beyond that. And from our very limited perspective, we are bound to miss much or, or even most of what really matters. But from the power of the cross, we gain a different perspective. When the harshness of death or maybe just the harshness of life in our fallen world, when that confronts you, what do you see? What do you see when the harshness of life, the harshness of death, confronts you? Do you see the, the presence of chaos or the presence of Christ? Do you focus on what feels good at the moment or on what will bring glory to God eternally? As Jesus stood before Mary and Martha, so he stands before us promising, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And notice that Jesus did not say, I bring resurrection and life. But rather he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In our Savior's presence, death has no power. In Jesus' presence, through the power of the cross, the grave has lost its, lost its grip on us, and death has lost its sting. If the grave could not hold on to Jesus, neither will it hold anyone who is in Jesus by faith. That's the power of the cross. And did you notice that Jesus answers our why questions by answering the who question? He claims, I am the resurrection and the life. And in essence, he says, this is who I am. Isn't that enough? 
Isn't that enough? As you face the harshness of death and face the storms of life that will blow through your, your, your windows, as you ask your own whys those questions, is it enough to know your Lord and to return again and again to His promise that through faith in Him, death is no longer death? It's been defeated. Do you believe this? It's what Jesus asked Martha. It is the question he puts before you and me right now, too. And our answer to that question will speak volumes to all our why questions. Just as it has spoken to believers from every time and every place. Here's the one thing I trust that you will leave here with. The one thing I trust that you will pick up from here. Not, not why, why, why we say the phrase, let the cat out of the bag. Not, not, not those kinds of things like the letter LB, what it stands for. This is the thing I trust that you will leave with here today. To believe and trust that Jesus meets the need in our wise. Trust and believe that Jesus will meet the needs in our question of why. Jesus will meet the need for God to be glorified in our wise. And that's, that's our aim. We live to glorify God. That's our purpose. We live to glorify Him. And so through those difficulties, through those why questions, He meets that need in our life. The need to glorify God. The need for others to believe. He meets that need in our wise. Just consider the disciples Jesus talked to. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake, so you would believe. The mourners who were there and everyone else, it was for their sake so that they would trust and, and know Jesus is the Son of God. And maybe during your difficult times, loss of loved ones, tragic situations, it's maybe for the moment for others to realize their need for Jesus as well. I remember Chris talking about how many people realized their need for Jesus when, at, after Tim's memorial service. And to be able to have the, the perspective from the cross about this is so important. That Jesus will meet the needs in our wise. And the need for us to know that Jesus is in control. Any Marthas out there that need, you know, need to know that things are okay? I need to know the plan, Jesus. What is it? He will meet that need in our life. In those, those why questions. Any Marys out there that need to know that Jesus cares? <laughs> you, you need that emotional need met? Because you walk around and, and you're wondering, does anybody really care that I've gone through this situation? Does anybody really want to, want to know more about it? Does anybody care? Yes. <laughs> Jesus cares. It reminds me of the hymn that we, we have in our hymnal there. And I wish, I wish I wrote down the number for you. You could look it up. But there are four verses in that hymn, Does Jesus Care? It's written by Frank Graff. And he was a minister. And he went through his share of difficulties as well. Now let me read to you the first 
in the last. <laughs> and I think of Tim, he would hate that. <laughs> he wouldn't all verses sung, right, of the hymn. But the first verse says, Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. And then verse 4 says, it poses another question, does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks? Is it ought to him? Does he see? And then the chorus provides the answer. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Yeah, Jesus does care. And he meets that need in our wise as well. We need to believe and trust that Jesus meets the need in our wise. You probably know the man named James Dobson. He wrote a book, and if you haven't received this or got this book in your, your library, it's a great one when you're going through difficulties. He wrote it a few number of years ago, When God Does Not Make Sense. Answering the question, basically, of our why questions. You know, why is this happening? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did this situation go on? Why is this going on with me? And James Dobson goes through this and, and uh, helps us journey through when God doesn't make sense, what do we do about this? How do we go on? How do we answer other people who are coming alongside and saying, yeah, why doesn't God make sense in this? And we don't have an answer. He helps us with that. And towards the end of his book, <clears throat> he says a couple things I think will be great advice for us as well too, as we believe and trust that Jesus will meet the need in our wise. He says this in his book, James Dobson says, my strongest advice is that each of us acknowledge before the crisis occurs, if possible, that our trust in Him must be independent of our understanding. There's nothing wrong with trying to understand, but we must not lean on our ability to comprehend. Sooner or later, our intellect will pose questions we cannot possibly answer. At that point, we would be wise to remember His words in Isaiah 55, verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And our reply should be, as found in Luke 22, verse 42, not my will, but yours be done. And then he wraps up the book with this paragraph I want to share with you. He says, accept the circumstances as they are presented to you. And I would add, as difficult as that is. Accept the circumstances as they are presented to you. Expect periods of hardships to occur, and don't be dismayed when they arrive. Lean into the pain when your time to suffer comes around, knowing that God will use the difficulty for His purposes, and indeed for our own good. The Lord is very near, and He has promised that your temptation will not be greater than you can bear. It reminds me of the psalmist in Psalm 34. David writes this psalm. In verses 17 through 19, I believe gives us some encouragement. If we are going through a season of why questions, Psalm 34 says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. 
The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 34, 17 through 19. So what's your why question? What's your why question? Maybe what are your why questions? Maybe you have more than one. Trust and believe that Jesus meets the need in your why questions. He's a Savior that wants to bring life. And He wants to meet those needs in your life as well. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And as they do, I've had Sydney queue up a, a video. And uh, in this video is a song that Austin French has written. You probably have heard it before. And uh, the title of the song is, Why God? So as the worship team comes on up, I want you to watch this video and see how it applies for you.